0: Hi, I'm Jessie Draper. I am first and foremost a mom, a boy mom to be exact, a boy mom who invests in female-founded companies. Yep, the jokes on me. I'm the founder of Halogen Ventures, a former entrepreneur and creator of an Emmy-nominated television series on technology. My mission is to support women and help raise awareness about the biggest issues facing society, women and families today, starting with solving childcare. From celebrity guests to founders and politicians, everyone came from a family somewhere. And I want to hear from you, the families of America, on how we can make change because I can't do this alone. Let's get started. We have monumental work to do.
1: Mommy, mommy, mommy.
0: Stephanie Uchi-McCarney is a serial entrepreneur, host of a top-ranked parenting podcast, and mom to three little ones. As with so many women, once she became a mom, everything changed for her. So she left a corporate career in consulting to follow her intuition and embarked on a mission to empower and help other working moms. Her podcast, Mommy's on a Call, is a top 25 parenting podcast that goes behind the scenes of the lives of moms to uncover their daily rituals, life lessons, and tools that help them succeed. Fun fact, both of our husbands are avid golfers, which drives us both nuts. So Stephanie... I am so excited to have you. You were literally like the first person I thought of when I started this podcast. And I was like, I have to have her on because she has this incredible podcast. Mommy's on a call that everyone needs to listen to. And And Jessie was a part of. She was part of like
1: my first, I think, five guests. Well,
0: And you're part of my first five guests. So this is perfect. Um, And I was so honored to be on your podcast. And you're such an expert on all things mom and health and wellness and beyond Um, And I would love to um, discuss because we have lots to talk about today. So first, um, and I just found out that this is her, this is also uh, Stephanie's opening question. So this is, it feels very appropriate. We're doing it with you, but what's your mom win of the week? Like this week for me. um, Okay. So actually Brian said, why don't we go get a dog? I miss having a dog and he was out of town and he, I went to a dog place and I was like, uh, I want a dog. I've always had dogs, but I just had a baby. And like, this is too much for me. And I assessed my needs and what I could handle and my capacity. And a dog would have been too many heartbeats in a house. So I went to the pet store next door and I bought two hamsters, which I've decided are the second most low maintenance pet. So you have fish and then you have hamsters. And hamsters you just put a big bowl of food there and it lasts like a week and then you fill their thing with water and they're so cute and cuddly but you you can kind of forget about them i don't forget about them i take care of my You're hamsters say, i don't, I don't want peta, <laughs> i don't want peta c- to come after me i love them i play with them every night i told my kids they have to play with them every day because it would be very lonely not to like be petted as a hamster every day But that was a mom win where I felt like I took care of, like, my needs, and I think you'll appreciate that because you're, like, a health and wellness
1: So before I get to my win, the note about a hamster. We had a hamster when I was, I think, seven years old in second grade. We had to take care of, called MC Hamster. (laughs) (laughs) And just as I guess like a mom warning, just make sure to close the door. Our hamster escaped in the house and my mom had to look for it everywhere. Mm. Luckily, we found it. It was the class pet. So it was like spring break and we were the one who was responsible for taking it home. And my mom lost the hamster and I was devastated because MC Hamster went MIA. I mean, this is like the 80s. And so, but we found it cuddly. They do smell a little, but they're really fuzzy and nice. I guess better than a pet snake or something that you have to like feed it live animals. That's, I mean, we all, we both have boys. And so that was my like ground rule that I cannot have a pet that I feed live animals to. My,
0: My mom had this rule. We had a million pets growing up and my mom had this rule, no reptiles. And I actually, I thought that was cool because when I went into this pet store, you had an entire... Side of like you know snakes and lizards that were very large I have to say and then you had all the rodents I was like if one of these snakes like escapes this is going to be a terrible thing but um I just was like I don't want any of those in my house that's terrifying like I'd rather have a hamster accidentally escape but we have had many talks with the boys about you must close the cage you must close the cage or you will lose him and they're like we'll get another one I'm like no we will not if you lose him, you do not get another You don't another just order another one on Amazon. <laughs> yeah.
1: So my mom one of the week. I actually was kind of proud of myself. I structured all our schedules for the next month. So my husband and I have very busy schedules. And I mean, like most moms out there, you know, our kids have, I have three kids. Everyone has a new sport, a new activity, all of that. And I thought I had it under control going into school year. School started this week. And I didn't, so we went through the first week. It was kind of hectic, and last night I literally sat down, mapped out everything, and now I feel like I actually have control over our schedule and time for me. So it was, yeah, it was that. I think that's my mom win because I feel this big weight off my shoulders that at least for the next three weeks (laughs) – I know where everyone needs to be, where I need to be, and how to manage that.
0: (laughs) It's true. It's like a three-week interval of time where you're sort of like, okay, I got the schedule set. Okay. And you just have to accept, like, the chaos, especially when you have three kids, of just – it's constantly a shift. Like, you're never – you know, childcare changes. Everything Mm -hmm. changes. You're always evolving. And if you try to get, like, you know – Set up the perfect schedule for an entire year, it never works.
1: It always changes. I mean, so that's why I take it into like two to three week segments. And I mapped out the childcare schedule and like carpools and I know things are going to change and like work stuff's going to come up or my husband's going to randomly have a business trip or something (laughs) or go golfing for a week with your husband. I
0: know. It's so (laughs) annoying. I'm so sorry about that. (laughs) My husband's like planning this big golf trip and everyone is calling me being like, I hate you so much, Jesse." It's not even seven days. It's like eight days. Oh yeah.
1: (laughs) And it overlaps with one of my business trips. And so I think for me, like taking it two to three weeks at a time, but really sitting down. And I know like putting aside 30 minutes seems like I don't have 30 minutes, but if you do it, then you're set up for like three weeks. And I feel like this weight off my shoulder instead of feeling that stress every day.
0: I mean, I think, yeah, time, time is something that comes up over and over. I think whenever you're talking to parents um, and just how, like, how do you, you know, manage time? How do you juggle time? And it's always like, how do I get more of it? Like, you know people often ask you like on panels or like podcasts or whatever they say if you could have a superpower like what would it be and I always say to stop time because it would give me more did you I ever wonder if
1: you said that on mine because that's Probably. my last question I always Maybe say what is like what is your mom's superpower that you gained once yeah. you became a mom that makes you better at business or life but <laughs> I I mean yeah like I feel like stopping time but you know also just being the superpower to say no yeah And to know exactly what you want and what you need. So you're saying yes to the right things and not volunteering for every panel. I mean, I was that person who I'm like, yes, I'll volunteer to bring cupcakes. Yes, I'll volunteer to do this. And now I'm so good at being like not aligned with what I need. Nope. Like, sorry, someone else will be happy to do that.
0: I'm like, I'm happy to buy the school supplies. I'm happy to like do those things, but I am not able to volunteer and – we, you know, we just had our uh, back-to-school night, and this teacher this year, my son's in first grade, she just said the coolest thing to me, which was – or she said to the, the parents, she said, you know, um, I am going to invite all of you parents to come do a reading for the kids. That means you show up, I give you a book, you read it to the kids. I'm never going to tell them if it's you when you're coming just in case something happens I know we're all busy and I don't want your kids to be disappointed and I just was like wow this is this is a school teacher who understands parents and like I feel like I used to have to do that at uh, preschool and it was very stressful for me um so I'd be like what if something happens what if this meeting goes over um so uh but I am going to show up and I am going to do it okay so parent news of the day so currently in California um, like most like most states does not it doesn't mandate kindergarten, and this is something that uh, they're considering to change. And so there's all this talk right now. I just read this in the LA Times. So children who are five year years old are eligible for kindergarten but are not required to attend school until they're six years old. California this week moved a step closer to potentially making kindergarten mandatory for students after the state legislature approved a bill which will require all children to attend one year of kindergarten before they can go to first grade. So what do you think about this? I also asked uh, all of the parents on Instagram and got a lot of opinions Um, but what do you think about this?
1: so i think that it's a great thing mainly because from the childcare perspective i think we need more free access to some sort of educational thing and especially when they're five they need that onboarding now i don't know if mandatory going to your local kindergarten should be like the thing but if you're a homeschool and you do kindergarten i think that's okay but to be actually compensated for that i i agree i think most i i guess i would say I think kindergarten should be mandatory, and that could be the tiger mom in me, but just seeing out of the pandemic and how behind these students are, I think it's a detriment to be waiting until they're now six and or even seven entering first grade to be their first experience in an educational setting. I think it sets them back, it sets them apart socially, and also just Academically. Um, and so I think making it mandatory is good, but it, mandatory in what capacity? So if it's you have to be at the school, you know, your local public elementary school from eight to three or whatever that looks like, that could be hard for a lot of parents who are like, I need an extra year in my work daycare. But if kindergarten in whatever capacity that looked like, whereas they were doing the academic, um, you know, like markers for what kindergartners should learn, I think that should be mandatory, but also compensated.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think more schools better. And when I think about how do we solve childcare, I think it's like education is the first yeah. thing. And how do we get kids in school earlier? And, you know, speaking of time in a different way, it's like, why does school end at 3 p.m.? Like jobs don't end at 3 p.m. Why do we have a three-month summer? Jobs are still going around the clock. And like, you and I are in um, positions where, you know, we can work, our, ha- our husbands work, and we can afford childcare. but so many people can't. And for those, especially during the pandemic, this huge light was shined on it. I mean, there's a lot of issues with neglect um, and, you know, um, kids who don't have the resources or can't afford any childcare. if there isn't school for them before the age of six. Like, just things happen and they're, the kids are forgotten. Right.
1: Our local uh, kindergarten is actually only half day. And so that's hard for parents. And so they have to send them to like the CDC. But then you have to pay for that. So it's kind of this thing where like I'm actually happy that California is also allowing pre-K to go earlier now. Um, Because it gives people more access. Now at four, you don't have to pay for a private preschool, which is expensive. You can now send them to the public one. And to have more options, like that should be optional. But I think kindergarten is foundational. The things they learn, the social connections they make, should be there as a foundation to thrive.
0: I also think a lot about the foster care system because, um, and that's kind of what, like, propelled me on this journey of like, how do we solve childcare? Because when I learned that foster children were literally property of the government, I was like, okay, well, how do we get into that situation? And um, how do we get these kids out of that situation? Cause no one should be property of any government. And um, if you look at, you know um, the incarcerated today in the prison system um, I've gone and I volunteered for this thing. I don't know if you were, um, or your husband have done it, but um, it's called Defy Ventures, and you go and you mentor prison inmates in uh, maximum security prisons, and 80% of the incarcerated today went through our foster care system, so like something is dramatically broken, and when you talk to them, they say, well, my parents couldn't really watch me. And I couldn't really like go to school till later. So then I just didn't go to school because that was what I was used to. And like, that's where kids get into trouble. That's why we need this budget for like after-school programs. But also, you know, we're talking about preschool and we're talking about um, kindergarten and should it be required. But all of this is still this like patchwork quilt. Like, how do we just rebuild? Like, how do we just like wipe it clean, like erase the whiteboard (laughs) and like redraw?
1: I feel like child care, sadly, is a lot like the healthcare system in which it's based on profit. So look at kids. If you're in public school, you only get reimbursed if the child is physically in their seat. If they're absent for the day, you don't get the whatever allocated amount is for that child. Why should it matter if the kids there are not? They're enrolled. COVID made people go in and out. And so what your school funding now goes down because you had like absences. So I think that in general, like we need to change the whole mindset behind how we look at child care. It's not like a luxury. It's an essential thing. And I think unfortunately, as I said, like most things are based on profit. So the healthcare system, like I'm really passionate about preventative care, but preventative care doesn't pay. Teaching moms how to be take better care of themselves. I mean, Pre postpartum, all of that affects the child, affects the mother, but we don't focus on that. We just focus on the symptoms and putting uh, band aids on all of those things. And then, you know, because that's what makes money.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: (laughs) So it's hard to just like nix the childcare system and start over, but how can we approach it from a different lens?
0: Yeah, no, I think it's like something that I'm always trying to come up with solutions for. And by the way, all of our listeners. And parents out, out there, I want to hear from you. Like, if you agree, if you disagree, um, you know, tell us your opinions on Instagram and uh, message us. And you know, we'd love to hear more and hear other opinions because we're trying to find solutions here. Um, so, okay, let's take it back to what does your personal child care look like, and then what did your child care growing up look like, and how did it influence your child care today?
1: So. I will preface this with I come from a privileged position because I'm able to pay for some childcare. Um, when I was full time working, we had a nanny. Um, sadly, I had to go back to work at three months with you know because that's our maternity leave policy. And so I was lucky enough to hire a full time nanny. However, she ended up having a stroke when my child was young. So mm. then all of a sudden, I was left with a full time job my husband was working full-time, and I had to figure out on the spot how to do it. And it became this piecemeal thing for five months while I sat on the wait list of a local daycare. And and that was like overnight, literally on a Friday afternoon, she couldn't come back on Monday. So all of a sudden it was, well, I work like eight to five, eight to six, and he works, and how are we gonna do this? How, and this was, you know, pre-Zoom and all of that, and pre the ability to work from home. And how are we going to figure that out? And so that was really stressful. It was like a tag team situation. And I can't imagine people who have to deal with that on a daily basis. It took us a total of five months to get off the wait list for two days a week. And then it grew from there. um, And that's when I made the decision, like, I can't keep doing this. This isn't working. And I ended up quitting my job.
0: Good for you. I mean, that's a good mom move.
1: It, it if you can good, do that
0: and you like someone has to take care of the kids and that's a full time job.
1: It was, but it was also like I was I was fortunate enough to be able to quit, but I also was an entrepreneur. So besides working my full time gig, I had a side company. And so I decided, OK, I'm going to take that company to help compensate for some of the income. Um, And I was lucky I had that in place and that my husband was also able to help support, but it wasn't easy. And then we got pregnant with our second kid. And then I had to really figure things out. And so I was kind of a stay-at-home mom slash entrepreneur for a good, you know, almost two years. And then I was like, I feel myself internally dying. Like, Pursuing a career and working is actually something that really fulfills me, and I felt like I didn't know who I was anymore, and like, and that meant that I wasn't being a good mom, I wasn't showing up well in our relationship because I just couldn't identify who I was anymore, and so I decided, okay, I guess we have to find childcare, and um, so we hired. Luckily, we were able to find a nanny. Um, to help us. And I know not everyone is in that position, but it allowed me to go back. However, <laughs> then I had a third kid and COVID hit. And so we were lucky enough to keep that child care. But now it's even more of a struggle because now we're going to school, paying for preschool. But now what do I do in those intermediate times when my preschool is what, nine to 12? Like, what do I do? And so I don't want to pay for like my nanny needs the full time, but I can't offer her that like it's this whole juggle and so it's I don't even know how I know I think so many honestly
0: (laughs) I think so many people can relate to that I mean I certainly can and um you know thank you for sharing too how you felt like you lost yourself I think so many moms have felt that way and I also think it's like after you have a baby you have this identity crisis I certainly had it like every single time where I'm like okay, I had another baby, like, who am I again? Because all I can spend my brain energy on right now is like, where are my children and what are they doing? And, Mm -hmm. you know, are they alive (laughs) and are they breathing? (laughs) And um, how do I keep, you know, work going and like my husband happy and my kids happy? And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, we go through a lot. We do so much, like give ourselves
1: a break. And and I was going to say, and running the numbers, when you look at it, um, it was interesting. I I interviewed Evrodsky, and I made the smallest comment. Whereas I said every time I was working, I was looking at the amount of take home, and I was paying that directly to childcare. No, it just goes, goes out goes, no, the no, door. No, no, no. You're paying half because your husband's all, your partner is also helping. It was like true, good perspective. I'm not subsidizing my income to pay childcare. I'm doing half. But so my mom, my mom was a um, a nurse. She was a full time RN, and then went part time when I was born because. She needed um, the flexibility also. My father had a a business, so he was able to have a little flexibility. He was able to drop me off at school and then go to work. Um, But my childcare looked like a piecemeal of neighbors and family helping out. So my mom even asked like, oh, don't you have like a neighborhood play group where all the moms would just like take a day and it would be like a little co-op and you would switch off. And that's how my childcare was or my grandparents helped out a lot. I think now we don't have as much of that luxury because either our parents are working more or they're, you know, farther away or they have a lot more grandchildren and they can't help you. Um, my parents are luckily nearby and are able to help out. But now that they work so much in their life, they want to travel and things. And so my mom, like, texted me the other day. She's like, oh, by the way, we're gone for two weeks in December. So you got to find someone to pick, um, you know, your daughter, me up from school. I was like, okay (laughs) at least it's in December like it gives me some time but you know it's and when I was little it was like a village and now I feel like it's not
0: yeah we don't have that village and then I also think like I think we need to be more of a community that happened a little during COVID where you got to know some of the neighbors you didn't know you had and you know I think it, it would be great if like moms helped each other out more I certainly have those friends but I feel like at least in Los Angeles everyone lives so kind of it's hard to get yeah. anywhere in Los Angeles. I think only LA people can understand that. But it's like, you know, like I know where Stephanie lives and like, I don't get over there that often and she knows it's where like I live. and like 15 miles doesn't...
1: away and it takes like <laughs> an hour. Just... I'm like that like involves a freeway I can't do that I've
0: met people who I absolutely adore at parties and then I'm like we should all hang out and then it's like they live like east of the 405 and we're like we'll never see each other and like people just understand that you know um but uh it's um yeah it's just it's a juggle as you're saying so that's really interesting um yeah the village the village comes up time and time again and I'd love to go back to Eve Rodsky who I adore and she's um, I mean, she's so brilliant. Have you done Fair Play? So Eve Rodsky, um, she wrote this book called Fair Play, and it's to help any marriage. Honestly, if you haven't read the book or done the um, exercise, cards. you have yeah. to. But um, but do you, have you done it?
1: So after you actually were the one who told me about it, and oh. I think 2019, I mean, I swear eons it. ago. And I attempted it. Um, I think... I think for me, I think it's personally, I need to learn how to eliminate control on certain things. And uh, we, we started to do it. But then I think with just the craziness of yeah. COVID, it kind of put things at a halt because we couldn't figure out really how to divide stuff appropriately. Um,
0: it is also just like about the conversation, I think. Yeah. And just to explain to everyone listening, you know. Um, she start, She wrote this book and she basically was like, I was a working mom and I was doing everything. I was like writing a brief in the car and then um, dropping my kids off somewhere. And, you know, um, then I got this text from my husband who's like, you went to the store. I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. And she was like, F this. This is so messed up. And I think every mom has felt that way where it's like you literally didn't see anything I did. And like you basically just focused on the fact you didn't have blueberries in the fridge when you needed them and she said okay and she emailed all of her friends and said okay give me a list of all the invisible work you do in your partnership she made this list of like i think it was like 1400 things she turned them into playing cards it's about 100 cards and you're supposed to go through this exercise with your significant other um male or female and you talk i think even just The practice of talking Mm. through each of those items.
1: The communication. It's like actually bringing those things to light that maybe they didn't realize that, like, unloading the dishwasher is actually something that's a burden and you don't realize it.
0: Totally. And like buying a birthday present. Yeah. And like, Brian, my husband, is, I mean, he is a 50 50, or we call it 100 100 partner. And um, he really is, I am so grateful, he's pretty incredible and he works with me and he's just an amazing human, but I remember we had this breakthrough moment where, you know, inevitably the woman's stack is usually significantly taller of cards and I go, okay, so there's three separate cards for breakfast, lunch and dinner for the kids. And he's like, well, why don't you just do all of them? Because like you always do all of them. And I was like, no, no, no. So they are three separate (laughs) items. So these are three separate items on three different cards. So that means like you need to take one or two of them. I don't do all of them. But just to have that conversation and be like, you're always in charge of the handyman stuff around the house. I'm always in charge of the... Baby gifts, like those things, like that was just helpful, at least for some of the things that go unnoticed. It also
1: eliminates some of the de- decision fatigue of, like, oh, I thought you were doing that. Oh, I thought, or like, who's, ma-? yeah.
0: Totally. Yeah. Um, but I swear by that now. And any marriages out there who need some help and you feel like yes. you do everything, because we do do everything, um, you know, it's definitely worth a read. Um, so, uh, so she's great. So you've had her on your show. Yeah. So you guys should go listen to that episode um, of Mommy's on a Call with Eve Rodsky. Um, and then tell me about this. You had these girls on your show, Maple. Um, I've heard of this company, actually. I feel like it's come across my desk. But you said that it's a it's a great app.
1: So it's actually a dad that started it. Oh, okay. So um, a dad was sitting there one day, like, trying to brainstorm different. He was a startup guy. So he was looking for kind of his next thing. And He came up with this concept because he was sitting there, and someone was talking about, like, birthday parties, and I think it was that, like, he realized his wife planned everything, and he didn't even know what was going on at home, and he's like, wait a second, (laughs) and his wife works, too, and he was like, wait a second, how do I not know these things, like, I don't know my kids' friends' names, I don't know what they're doing for their birthday party, I don't know any of this, and then I think they basically had one of those fair play type of conversations and he's like there needs to be a way to eliminate some of this invisible load and so is there a way we can outsource it so instead of being like an app that does like family you know scheduling like a lot of those where it's like grocery shopping stuff this is more things like okay like here's a birthday party card like Here's it's more of those invisible loads like here's organizing carpools here's all of that and they're trying to innovate the way that kind of that division of, of unseen labor and like mental load can go into an app so they're working with different things it's really interesting um, I interviewed the dad and it was also interesting to hear his perspective because he is a dad and on his idea of childcare and his idea of like how to solve a lot of these things and so They're trying to make strides in sort of that avenue of the unpaid, unseen labor.
0: That's really interesting to hear that a dad started it too. He's clearly a very involved father, so I appreciate that so much. But there are those things that I'd love better organization. Like every year, you know, when you get the class list and you get the friends' names and the phone numbers and the emails of the parents, like I feel like just. I always sort of stress when I need to find that. And I'm like, Luca, who's Luca's parents? Like, who's like, who you want to have Luca over? Like, I don't even know what to do here. Yeah. Um, and I think to have those organized somewhere is a, a great idea, especially like when it comes to carpools, etc. Yeah. So I'll have to check that out. Maple. Um, and then um, we were talking a little earlier just about, um, tell me about this co-working with kids um, idea. Like, what does that mean to you?
1: So that was a solution that I've seen pop up kind of pre-pandemic and it's still kind of around where it's, you know, co-working spaces for moms um, or anyone, but they have an aspect of like a play zone where you can bring your kids and they're supposed to be someone watching your kids, but yet you still have to have an eye on them. And so I have an issue with that because (laughs) for me... I don't know how many moms out there go someplace where their kids can physically see them, especially if they're like a toddler age, where they don't want to like touch you, hold you, come to you, ask you questions. And so instead of like dropping them off and being invisible somewhere else, they can see you. And so like, while I think that's an amazing concept and solution for those women who maybe not, don't have a space in their home to work Mm -hmm. and wanna go somewhere else and maybe have something for their kids to kind of be busy with, for me it's a, it's a hard sell um, and it's why I like haven't bought into it there are some great companies who have tried to do it um, but are struggling
0: I get that um you know uh, before covid when we were getting business pitches we were getting pitched a lot of those I actually saw the wing I, a million I times, lines, but yes, oh, like yeah, like the little
1: wing, the, or I think Jane might've done it.
0: Yeah. Like we saw the wing a whole bunch of times and I kept being like, I don't know. Um, obviously it was an interesting company and uh, some people look at success differently. Like they built a really great business um, at one point, but uh, we saw the wing. There were, there were a lot of these, the riveter, a lot of these like co working spaces that were popping up and were early stage technology investors. So we don't always invest in that type of um, real estate play. Nice. But I was getting a lot of pitches actually like that, like co-working spaces that it was like and childcare. And when I realized I kept hearing like and childcare, I was like, no, I'm gonna invest in I wanna invest in childcare. I don't want my kid to go to and childcare. Right. Um, I want that this to be like childcare first. And then we invested in Brella um because yeah, of that.
1: I love that.
0: Yeah. There because we were like we want childcare and uh, Brella is a physical space for those of you out there uh, looking for one around Los Angeles. Uh, their first location was in Playa Vista, and now they've opened three others um, around the um, city. So, um, well, so that's really interesting because I, I agree. I think we need to focus on the kids
1: first, right? And it also assumes that your childcare means that you have a work situation in which you can work when they're around versus like going to out like somewhere else.
0: That's, yeah, no, completely. Um, I, uh, okay, so you know what I realized? We didn't even talk about what people said on Instagram. Oh, so let's yeah. bring it back really quickly. Back to, um, back back to, to kindergarten. Back to kindergarten. <laughs> I
1: foundations was... of exactly. uh, childhood education. Um,
0: so really quick, um, on Instagram, when we were talking about, um, you know, uh, mandating kindergarten, some of the things that uh, people said on Instagram when I asked the other day is they, first of all, half of them a lot I mean this was like 20 people maybe 20 people thought that it already was a requirement so that was like (laughs) mind-blowing um so it's not guys it's not um and then some people said it would be an overstep and then um some people was telling me you know were telling me that in other states it already is mandatory like Kentucky and so it makes sense like that this seems like a natural progression I'd say for California I didn't know that it was already mandatory in other states this is why this podcast is great I'm learning lots of things
1: I'm actually curious though like why they think kindergarten isn't is it like an age thing like I'm more curious on the why like why does it matter it could have been called first grade and we go to 13th grade like totally what is it about kindergarten that people don't think like yeah. what is the background on that so I'm yeah
0: curious. i i am too because also kids absorb everything at those ages like yeah. even three to six like even before that but um i think it's really important that they also just like i keep going back to like education how can we educate yeah. Uh, That's the most important thing in society. Honestly, Um, it'll solve everything because if you have better education, you have better communication. If you can communicate well, you can get through anything and solve any problem, I think. Um, Okay. So, uh, and then also someone said, I think it really helps kids prepare for school, um, which I think is also true, but it's also school itself. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) there's that. Um, so I'm glad we just had to bring that back very quickly before our goodbye story. So um, you were very kind and submitted your favorite books that you like to read your kids. And you did both a male and female book. And, and I, it's
1: not gender specific. No, it's t- just what totally. my daughter and what my son likes. So I yes. wanted to put it out there because my daughter likes his book and, and all No, that. I like yeah. that
0: there was a variety and these are for anyone um, and uh, for any gender and all genders. And, um, okay, so I had never read this book, but um, here's the synopsis. So The One and Only Sparkella, uh, and that's by Channing Tatum. So you had me at Channing Tatum. I had no (laughs) idea he'd written a children's book, but I will be buying this very quickly, and I'm already intrigued. Um, This is a charming ode to self-esteem and the love between father and daughter. Ella is excited for her first day at a new school. Glimmering pencil case? Check. Shimmering backpack? Check. Check. Glittery ribbons in her hair, check! She can't wait to meet the other kids and share her sparkly personality. But her first day doesn't go quite as planned. Her new classmates don't like her disco ball shoes, her PB&J with sprinkle sandwich, or her rainbowy unicorn painting. Ella decides to try to be less sparkly at school the next day, so the other kids won't make fun of her. But with a help from her dad, she soon her dad Channing Tatum. <laughs> um, she soon <laughs> learns the importance of just being herself no matter what other people say. So, okay, you definitely had me at Channing Tatum, but also
1: And single so he's a single I think dad, I need he's a single which is dad. raising a daughter to be a and strong I think I need this individual. Th- yeah. And it's just incredible because I always say don't let anyone dull your sparkle. So when this came out, I was like, that's like, that's like perfect. I love it. Because it's like, who cares what you're wearing? Who cares what you're doing? Like, be yourself. And I think, I heard this term the other day, you know, like, it's like, freeze, um, what is it? Flight. Oh my gosh, I can't even think of the terms. The FFF, like, you freeze, you flight. Wait, like, I don't even know about this. Uh, FFF. Oh my gosh. Okay, sorry. Freeze, Edit flight, out. fight or flight? Uh, yeah, fight or flight or freeze, right? Oh. But there's a new thing, which is flock apparently because a lot of teenagers now instead of like that tactic is just to flock and to be the same and so I thought this was so great because I feel like with social media with everything out there everyone's trying to kind of like be the same or like to fit in especially when you're a young age to teach your girls to be like independent to be their own self it's okay to express yourself and not to Kind of mold yourself to what everyone else is doing, so that's why I love that book. I mean, and they I have love dance it. parties with Channing Tatum.
0: <laughs> um, so <laughs> we just sold me. a million of these <laughs> books, and um, but also I feel like I wish I had more books like this when I was a kid, just being um, I you know, when you're a little girl, like there definitely weren't as many when yeah. we were growing up.
1: They're I also need this books. now, they're and all of them, nothing against them at all, but it was all unicorn, sparkle, princess, like. And so this teaches something different.
0: I I love love that. Don't dim your sparkle. And it like focuses on self-esteem, which so I should probably read that for myself. Um, Okay, And then you also recommended What Would Danny Do? Um, Have you read these books? No, uh, I've seen them. And this is by Adir and Ganeet Levy. And it's a husband-wife couple. They apparently have four kids. Um, and so it's written in a choose-your-own-story style. The book follows Danny, a superhero in training, through his day as he encounters choices that kids face on a daily basis. So this is so these are like choose-your-own-adventures. Yeah,
1: so it's great. It's like you know, Danny was given pancakes for breakfast, but he did not want pancakes. What should Danny do? And it gives you like different options, and your kid picks. And then from that point, it goes to like, go to page whatever, and then it says like, maybe he said, I don't want pancakes, and he threw it on the floor. So then what's the next step after that? And then it says like, because Danny threw it on the floor, like blah, blah, blah happened, now what should Danny do? And it's like this whole sequence, so it's teaching kids to make decisions and to make choices and what are the consequences of the choices that they make. And so I thought it was interesting. It was like, if Danny ate the pancakes, you know, and said, thank you or something, something different happened. And it's like all these different scenarios. And so I thought that was interesting. It was put in the lens of superhero training. training um, and it just helped because then they like to see like, what if Danny does all the bad things, what happens? And it's intriguing because then in real life, they go through these situations and they're like, oh, he did that bad thing. <sighs> Is that going to happen to me? Like, and so it kind of teaches them through, like, Dr. Becky does this a lot. She's, like, one of my favorite parenting experts. And it's all, like, teaching through play versus, like, saying, like, you need to eat your pancakes or else this will happen. It's teaching through a story. And then they're like, oh, I don't want to be like Danny. And you're like, no, you don't, do you? Like, it also teaches finances. There's one on lemonade and, like, selling lemonade and what happens if Danny spends it all? What happens if he, like, say it's really cool. cool. Like, I love these books.
0: Yeah, I need to get these books. They sound yeah. amazing. Um, so fun. That's, yeah, these, well, these are great books. We definitely just sold a lot. of And
1: they might be for younger kids. I do preface that with, because yeah. I have younger kids, so.
0: Yeah, no, I yeah. think this is great. Um, the, uh, yeah, I definitely need to get these for our six, four, and one-year-old. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so, so much, Stephanie, for being on the show. And I know we both we better get back to work because we have mommy mental work to do. Yes. <laughs> um, thank you so much. This was so thank fun. Thank you for
1: having me. I really appreciate it. Of
0: course. So everyone go listen to Stephanie's podcast. Mommy's on a call. It's so great. And you'll get incredible mom content and um, wellness tips. Thank you so much for listening. Please write us a review. If you liked us, tell us what you think. Follow us on Instagram at momumental.podcast or at Jesse C. Draper and tell us who you want to hear from and how you think we can solve child care. Also, please give us five stars.